Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Before we get into it, make sure to subscribe to our channel and hit that notification bell so you never miss a thing we post. See you on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Chris and Andre Show. As always, we are your loyal hosts. My name is Chris. And I'm Andre. And this week on The Big Rant, we are here to tackle the subject of school boards and the battle that seems to be being waged across America for control of them. Um, That's like the most news anchor intro I feel like I've ever done. Tonight on The Chris and Andre Show, we discuss the battle for school boards that wages on across America. (laughs) We're going to keep it because the the question I have to ask is, are you scared yet? Because I'm telling you what, I'm a mom who's fearless, and I will come after you. You're allowing child abuse. You're allowing child abuse. You're allowing child abuse. You're allowing child abuse. Our school system is for educating kids, not indoctrinating kids. And I think it's a very important topic when you think about it. The GOP in general, I actually read something on Twitter yesterday that was funny. Uh, this guy is like in his 60s, and he says, ah. uh, oh, sorry. He, he goes, I've been a Republic, Republican since like uh, the 60s, ironically, and the Democrats have been coming for my guns, my guns since then, and they've never taken them. So I will say that I will give it credit to the Republicans. They know how to play the long game. Uh, Roe versus Wade is a good example of it. Uh, school boards, the topic of tonight's big rant, is another uh, big part of that puzzle. And I think, and I would, you know, just, you know, I, I would make a couple of assumptions. One, most people don't care or think about local elections. And, and when you think about local elections, you want to be thinking about uh, county commissioner seats, school board seats, uh, yeah, those those are the two big ones, because those are the keys to the kingdom. Because most people do their daily life in their municip- uh, in their municipality. Uh, I, I almost feel like a Leon lost. <laughs> Just say the word, but I uh, did not. I didn't do that. Use all your words, but I didn't do that. Um, but so I, I think that it's important for people to know where politics gets crazy and it gets dangerous is one converging point. Most people will not do their homework on broad issues. They will stake their flag in the ground on that hill on one issue while the rest of the game is moving around them. And I think that that's where we get into these these uh, these, these blips in our history as a country. So just something to think about. Yeah, it's uh, something that has, that is certainly near and dear to my heart. I know that your kids are all out of, uh, like, you know, high school at this point. Yeah. So I don't know that this, you know, like, doesn't have that same direct impact. 
necessarily, but I know that it's it's definitely something that obviously concerns you because this was something you wanted to talk about. Um, but with you know uh, one kid that's in third grade, just started third grade, and another one that will be starting school in a few years, um, the this whole turmoil around school boards that we've seen really become more of a volatile kind of battleground, I guess, over the last two years um, is certainly something that's caught my eye. And during the last primary election here in New Hanover County, it was something that I paid really close attention to in terms of who I was voting for. I did look into each of the people that were running for school board and, you know, um, the county commissioners boards and stuff like that, trying to get a better understanding of where people kind of stood on some of these things. There were some, you know, like red flag words (laughs) that popped up on some people's (laughs) websites. I was like, Oh, you just disqualified yourself right there. Um, But some people were a little bit more nuanced about it. And you never know when it comes to voting, what it is that people are saying that's just to get elected and to get the votes that they need and then how they're actually going to behave. It's not like anybody holds them to that. That's an end voter really, other than the next opportunity that they have to vote them out. Uh, it's really at more or less at the behest of the, you know, uh, committees that are funneling money to them or, or the conventions and stuff like that, you know? So one thing to think about is when you have, when you look at the democratic conventions for each state or the Republican conventions for each state, the runway typically is city council, school boards, county commissioners. That's their bench. And if you can get these, and I don't want to use the word extreme, but I'm going to use it. If you can get a platform based on ideology, actually I didn't use extreme, to, uh, to set foot, that can become your platform for your next uh, potential office. Um, and then if you think about the, the way that we, we get like most political front runners into the public eye, the school board is, I, I want to say it's the second spot before you start running for a state office, um, or, or actually county. And sometimes some people are so talented. It's, it's almost like the NFL draft or the NBA draft. Uh, you use those offices as your proving your proving ground, and then you springboard to the next uh, part of your career. What's interesting is that most people don't even think about it. I, I can't. I'm. You'd be surprised. I don't have numbers. I don't want to make up any numbers of how many people that don't vote in local elections and or midterms. People generally focus on federal, and that is that's a pretty damning thing. I'm only going to vote on things that have the least likely impact on my action, like the least likely ability to impact my day-to-day life. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like uh, you, you can't you can't go wrong doing that. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear like any noise in the background, I am still in the middle of a remodel. Um, Chris the, is going to the... do his best to clean that up. <laughs> Person, but. but for the things that don't make it through. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny. You were talking about people not paying super close attention when it comes to like school board and 
you know, commissioners and uh, town councils or city councils and stuff like that. I have a, I guess, a, a, what I would, an anecdote that I can share. So my dad, when we were living in Northern California, it was a small town, um, but a, a fairly decent sized county, El Dorado County, um, you know, outside of Sacramento. And he was really good friends with the superintendent for the school board or for the, the school district. And he she convinced him to run for school a school board opening basically and he did you know like a, he did some live I don't know, it wasn't like debates necessarily hall? but yeah like town hall style things right. um did a little bit of promotion but for the most part i think it was just kind of like i don't know how how committed he was to it i think it was almost more like well i'll run and if i win i win and if i don't i don't he had friends of his that didn't know that he was running who saw a robert smith as a candidate and were like that seems like a good guy and just voted and then later found out it was him um so I think that just kind of underscores what you were saying that it's like a lot of the times people have no idea who it is that they're voting for. And yeah. I mean, I was one of those people for a while there where I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking at, you know, my local elections and thinking, oh, who are these people that are going to be, you know, kind of influencing the day to day lives of the people around me and my kids. And um, I think over the course of this podcast and just our, you know, continued conversations about these things. It certainly helped me to have a better understanding of just how important those races are and how little importance I, or how little it ultimately matters who's in the White House. I mean, I think we t we've talked about this a few times over the last couple of years now or a year and a half where it's like, how much have things actually changed for us because Joe Biden is in office, right? Right. And and right. that's going from the Mad King, you know, <laughs> Game of Thrones style to <laughs> like the old king, I guess, in a lot of cases. But <laughs> so if you think about, so I'm going to do like a um, non-historical timeline. The country goes through segregation. And you, you see the, you know, like the, the, one of the most famous lies are, are that Democrats voted for segregation and slavery or slavery than segregation. True, but not entirely true. You had the quote unquote Dixiecrats and you have the, um, Southern fundamentalists is what I would call them, where they were just like, well, we just don't want black people in our diners and we, we just want to, be separate but equal, which was never true. Um, this battle led to what I would say, oh, crap, the National Guard is forcing school integrations. And the only way to fundamentally, well, let me just throw like an insert there. You start to see laws like redlining. You start to see, uh, you know, blatant uh like targeting and uh, separations of entire towns. Case in point, Winston-Salem had the largest and the one of the few black-owned bus uh, companies in the, in the country. And like to this day, Highway 52 in Winston-Salem separates the city, right? 
I lived in Winston-Salem. I, I did. I lived down the like, but close to Baptist Hospital. And when I would drive home every now and then, I, I would. The first time I did it, the first time I drove through Winston-Salem as a resident, not a visitor, I noticed noticed the big difference between the two. So if you lived on one side of fifty-two, it was not urban, but more under underserved. Uh, if you lived on the other side of fifty-two. When you get in, going towards Stratford Road, Robin Hood Road, you start to see like more of you know affluent neighborhoods and things like that. I lived in a neighborhood called Ardmore, which is kind of a like a uh, it's like Five Points in Raleigh, right? An older historic neighborhood, but those are remnants of Jim Crow. Those are remnants of segregation. Well. In that history, you also see that most of the Confederate statues in this country were erected in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. They weren't erected during like the time of the Civil War. They were erected like when people were saying, well, we want to make people, and this is hyperbole, I don't know, but we want to make people feel uncomfortable. We want to make them know, we want to let them know our stand on, on how it, how we feel about you being here. The argument today is moot. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that um, people still, like the, 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 the conversation has been said that Germans don't have the Nazi flag <laughs> in Germany. It's literally right. illegal to fly the Nazi flag in Germany right. or like to have Nazi paraphernalia of any kind. But in this country, we are, we, we, I don't know what the the right term is to say that we, um, well, we make accommodations for people that want to have the Confederate flag. The state of North Carolina, at least up until somewhat recently, yeah, yeah, was still selling license plates with the Confederate flag on it, if you wanted, as a custom plate option. So when you look at that history, you have two things that that drove out of it. You had the people that were racist, and they figured out that we the thing that we can do to make ourselves still part of the conversation is to control school boards. Then you had the people that were, uh, uh, I guess, socially conservative, and that birthed the, the, the abortion argument. Now, I don't want to get too far deep into abortion, but case in point, Michigan just passed, or a, a judge in Michigan just said that the 1931 law in Michigan, that made abortion like illegal. There's a permanent injunction against exercising that law. Mm-hmm. So abortion's been a long, long-term argument, but it was, and it kind of festered off until like the uh, Brown versus education. So all that to say this: there, there is a segment of our population. That is staunchly racist. Period. Even abortion laws, they don't really target not they don't really target uh, white communities. Right. They they target non-white communities. They target communities of that are or I guess the term now is underserved or underprivileged or whatever. The 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 reality is they're you know lower income communities. So we got to we have to stop ignoring the fact that these things are long standing issues and and racism is still an issue in this country 
abortion unfortunately targets, you know, like, I don't know, low income people, predominantly non-white communities, and it's a way to criminalize them. School boards, schools in general are a way to, it's, it's, it's the irony of the whole conversation. Like DeSantis is talking about indoctrination. (laughs) Well, but what do schools do? Schools lay the found work, a foundation of education with plenty or lack thereof. And the indoctrination typically comes from or will benefit the people that have like, you know, they're actually not poor. Right. They I mean, it, either go. way, right? I think schools, even if it's done somewhat, I mean, maybe indoctrination isn't the right word in that case, but I feel like that's it's kind of the job of schools is like, okay, get kids up to a basic education level where they kind of understand how our current society works and right. like indoctrinate them <laughs> into being not hellacious little psychos. So Maddie will tell you this any any given day of the week, even in, even in his college experience, school is a form of indoctrination. It's yeah. a way of changing, forming, shaping thought, right? Right. Um, so indoctrination is not a bad word. It's just it's the fact of the matter. Yeah. Um, it's all what it, what what changes is the topic, right? So if I can control the topics that you're going to learn or your, your perception or viewpoint on said topic, I win. Yeah. And. That has been the long game of, like, uh, I don't want to say Republicans, but I'll say the GOP. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right to not pin it exclusively on Republicans. I mean, even blaming just the GOP, I think, is is excluding all of those groups that basically carried that mantle before them, right? This is what the GOP is basically working on right now is nothing that's really new. It's just a continuation of all this like pent up anger and aggression and frustration pinpointed at other people, right? As opposed to like the actual source of the problem. It's taking the people and making them the problem as opposed to understanding what it is that's really at the root source of this. Um, I thought it was interesting that you, you know, what you were saying about racism and the fact that we do obviously have a fairly still thriving contingent in this country um, that is racist uh, because this push to kind of take over school boards was driven by two things over the last couple of years. Really, I think it kind of started with COVID, right, and wanting to get kids back in school immediately because God forbid that you be asked to take care of your kids at home. Um, I understand not everybody had that option. Some people still had to go to work and therefore you were now required to find, you know, babysitting or, or, you know, nannies or whatever it is in order to be able to go to work. Um, but I think that also just speaks to the whole issue that we basically treat the public education system and schools in general as nothing more than, a fancy daycare for our kids. Well, uh, 
Inherently, yes, because that's like that's. So the short history of what I know on public schools, well, there there was a time in our country where in order to be able to be competitive, you had to educate, right? Sure. Um, ag, you know, communities that were agriculturally based, they needed their kids. Like if you look at our whole school s- schedule, it's based on agricultural like needs, right? Um, which are few that and far and between. Lack of air conditioning. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but I also would say that uh, I, I was never a fan of year-round school, right? So once something's actually ingrained into your system, you kind of have to accept it for what it is. I think that year-round is a, a band-aid to the problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like actually contradict myself here in a second. Um, because I love it, it doesn't... Well, because, because the the amount of all right, I'm gonna here's my contradiction. Charter schools are bullshit. Like you can't say that we're gonna have an, a level playing field, and which is public education. You cripple some districts and some schools, or uh, you know schools that are unfavorable to you. You criticize them and say, well, I want to homeschool or I want to send my kids to a charter school. And then you take public funds. No, you have committed to your journey. Fund your journey. Right. So that's my contradiction. So I, I kind of get it, but I, I kind of don't get it. So there's a lot of, and things need to change we're, because we're not a society based on, on agriculture anymore. Right. But uh, I just to be clear, year-round school is not exclusive to charter schools or private schools no it's not so it's a big mess of we we're not solving the problem of you know we have every state has got their own curricula that is that may or may not help people to advance um every state has funding problems and we've talked about it ad nauseum about how property taxes fund and you know like wake county is more wealthy than uh, New, even New Hanover, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the school quality is better. No offense to anybody in that county, but we have more funds available. But right. at the same time, we're still like fighting to get you know employees to to teach our children. Well, and you guys probably also, I mean, you have a larger population, right? So you have more schools within that school district. So. I yeah I don't have the numbers in front of me to look at like what is the average funding per school, um, or anything like that comparing Wake County to New Hanover. You're gonna look that up because of course you will. Um, the other piece that I thought was kind of interesting, just in terms of talking about racism, I was saying there were two reasons that we kind of see this battle for school boards right now. One was COVID, and then the other one is CRT, right, and not cathode ray tubes. Um, those big big butt televisions that we all used to love, but no, uh, critical race theory and the idea that, you know, teaching, if we just stop talking about racism, then we can move past it. We being society, not, you know, the non-white people because the white, I mean, us white folks, like we, we move past racism forever ago. Like, we were all like, you know what? Yeah, racism. That's thanks, Obama. But we're good now, right, guys? Like, 
We had a black president. Thanks, Obama. It's all his fault. Because because of President Barack Obama, racism is no longer a it's thing. It's dead. How can you say we're a racist country when we've now had a black president and a uh, black vice president? Yeah, we're, we're not going to talk about <laughs> Never mind, you know, how voting works in this country, that it's not a unanimous decision sort of thing. Um, so, fun fact. So, at, according to WRAL.com, uh, updated October 28th, 2021, North Carolina is the fifth lowest in spending per student. I'll leave a link in the comments or in the um, something. Description? Um, description. So, a high poverty school spends $11,193 per student, where low poverty schools spend $10,450 per, $10, per student. Wow. Um, so, if, and I don't know, if the average income for the state or the country is uh, $55,683, uh, I would say roughly 5% of the counties in North Carolina are at or above that, that average. So that gives them a unique advantage when it comes to their educational system. Yeah. I think to your point about charter schools and people basically saying like, you know, well, I don't. You know, I don't want to put my kid in public education, so I'm going not only going to take them out and either homeschool them or put them in charter school, but then I want my tax money back that would have gone to that. I want a voucher to go to a charter school. God, that's annoying. You know, whatever it may be. And I think we were talking about this the other week, and I liked my analogy, so I'm going to repeat it here <laughs> on the podcast. But you think about it like, right, our taxes pay for lots of different stuff. They pay right. for roads that I may never drive on, right? They pay for police. I might not need to call the police, right? But that doesn't mean that they're not providing some service that I actually benefit from. Um, fire department, right? Maybe my maybe I'm fortunate and my house doesn't catch on fire. That doesn't mean that I should be able to like get a refund, a tax rebate at the end of the year because I didn't use the fire department, right? Right. And I think education in a lot of ways, public education, is the exact same thing. I just don't think that we look at it in that same, like, service type of way that we do those other things. I mean, roads are not the same, obviously. But if we're focusing on, like, police and fire, then I think that education can very much be put into that exact same boat where it's like you are not funding your children's education specifically – but you are making it possible for there to be a public education system like that. Or even better yet, for all these, quote unquote, patriots, all these people that say that America is lo losing the competition war, like you need to contribute to make sure that we're, we're competitive as a nation. Right. Right. Because the, to do the opposite of that is hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, to say that a private school or a charter school is the only alternative, it, it kind of makes that gap even further. And, right. that, and I think that's the hypocrisy 
that I see when people mention charter schools, when people mention uh, private schools. Um, do you learn more at a private school? No. You know, one of my sons, he graduated, his graduating class was less than 100 students. Like, think about that. Like, that's weird. <laughs> like, that's really weird. That is odd. <laughs> I mean, so to have less than 100 students graduate, so, I mean, that tells you like the, or, or maybe, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't huge. I'll just say that. And maybe it was close to 100, but I mean, he went to a private school. My, uh, it's just like, what's the benefit here? Like, how do you, con how do you contribute to the nation's overall well-being? Right, level. but it be it stops being about that, right? And it right. starts being about the individuals, right? It's it's all about my children, and and this is not, you know, this is not to say like, oh, we'll just you know throw your kids to the wolves and hope that they come out alive. No, like the the point is figure out Fix how the to problem get in the schools. Yeah, how to get better funding at the schools so that you can actually pay teachers so that they want to be there, right? Like get involved in your PTOs or PTAs in your school organizations like this it's not necessarily run for school board <laughs> that's one yeah. way but there's a lot of different things that you can do like i try to take every opportunity that i can to volunteer at my daughter's school you know and that's like i when they're doing the scholastic books fair when they have field day like if they send home a thing it. asking well, for uh, i'm going to go to uh, a I'm going to go on a sub ramp. Yeah, go ahead. This state literally, I, I don't know when, actually. Oh, we're talking about know, the lottery, aren't we? The lottery. I knew it. Every. <laughs> <laughs> so North Carolina votes the lottery into place. This was easily, right? That that signed it yeah. in. So it was post 2000. It was a terrible idea. So we we now we did the same we, thing that the education lottery does in every state where it gets signed in. My point being is like, it's not just the same funding that we had prior to the lottery, but it's less funding. Right. They took money from the education budget and moved it to other programs in the state, and now they're running out of deficit for education. I don't get it. <laughs> this is going to generate X millions of dollars every year for education. Not, but, but it's not X million more, right? Very careful it, when they phrase things. Yeah, we're exposing what we're spending on education, but it's not a surplus. It's right. not in addition to... We're not to, adding to what we currently already earmarked for that. Right. Because, oh, it we, turns out that that money can go to a lot of different places. Right. It can go to subsidize the tax cuts and credits for... And I, and I blame both Republicans and Democrats for yes. this. I don't believe it, it's rational to make tax concessions for companies to move to the state. I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, I I have struggled to i think understand what the end goal is i mean like you can talk about jobs right uh the job creation you know oh we're gonna give them a tax you know uh 
break so that they'll build a giant building which will create jobs and then they'll hire people which will be more jobs not to you know never mind the fact that the building of the building is only temporary right they're only going to build that once um and then the jobs that they hire i mean yeah okay so three thousand people get a job right right is that worth Uh, like essentially bankrupting (laughs) part of your state budget for i know it's not the whole thing but you know what i mean like apple right apple got a huge tax uh incentive incentive to move to north carolina and and raleigh durham area rtp kind of specifically right i think it's 150 employees yeah and they're all phds right Never mind the fact that when we're talking about the lottery, who actually funds the lottery? Well, who funds the lottery is 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 tertiary, right? Because my point is that what you're basically doing is removing the tax burden from everybody for education and placing it almost exclusively on lower income That's families. Fair. To pay for public education. I know. I mean, I and this, you know, the whole lottery thing was not really meant to be part of this conversation. But in the big rant, we just kind of go wherever things take that's us. Gonna, that's going to frustrate me because now I'm just even, I'm like 20 times more pissed off. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, but that was the first thing I thought of when we were sitting here <laughs> talking about it because you brought up. I mean, and you think about it, those are the communities that nine times out of ten need more funding for their education programs. I mean, New Hanover County Schools is in, is now being saddled with a Title IX lawsuit claiming uh, racial discrimination in terms of educational facilities. That basically I, they funnel more money and put nicer facilities in the high-income areas or the white areas and that they just kind of do whatever else they can in the non-white areas. So I, I want to be careful, right? Um, okay, but I'm still going to be Chris. Okay, I'm, call me careful from now on. I'm careful <laughs> at chrisandreshow.com. Here, here's what I, I want to say. I, I think that, and I believe this firmly, you can't run around calling people racial slurs. Okay. But you can definitely segregate, abuse, discriminate based on financial class. Yes. And over the last 25 years, we have really made that easier and easier to do in our society. Yes. Well, and, and, I, and I, I, sorry, go ahead. And I, and I believe that, you know, we need to be very, there are some things that are compartmentalized into a white, non-white situation, mm-hmm. but a vast majority of them are based on your economic like stature in society. Yeah, there. I mean, there's certainly been a shift. I, I almost wonder, though, is it an intentional shift or is it more just yes. that, that it's like, well... It, we can't really filter out the low-income white people without making it just blatantly obvious that we're being racist. So if we have to hurt a few, you know, low-income white people while we're at it to, you know, keep the well, non-whites Trump, in Trump their is area. The, uh, Trump is the uh, um, the wild card when it comes to that. 
because he actually plays to grievance politics. Um, If you're broke and and broke to me, we talked about that in our last, um, you know, big, big rant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to probably be susceptible to that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I know that as a, as a broke person, I would easily connect on an emotional and intelligence level with a, you know, self-made billionaire millionaire i don't know what? but you're are you mocking me or you understand what i'm saying i understand what you're saying but at the same time i'm mocking you okay so <laughs> i just i just want so, to be clear on that i'm not because even really that... mocking you i'm mocking people that sit there and fall for that shtick i guess more than anything because that's all it is it's like oh i'm just like you i i started out with nothing but a million dollars and i turned it into a few more million dollars, and never mind the fact that nobody actually knows how much I'm worth because I won't release my taxes or, you know, any of this other stuff. By the way, would you like some top secret, top secret documents? I could I got them at a good price. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't want to talk about that clown <laughs> at all. All right, um, we'll, we'll put a moratorium on on <laughs> that speak from now on. But I, I will say that uh, my my point. If you're financially, so for example, let's, I'm going to try to just go from like one level backwards. Okay. So if coal was the economic driver in my community, yeah, the country and the municipality didn't move away from that. And somebody comes to me and says, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to probably buy into that. But. Sure. If my municipality said, oh, this is probably not going to work out, and, and what can we do to like res- responsibly attract new business to our community, people are less likely to be influenced by the, the vitriol. Sure. I think the big issue is maybe not so much the first half of that, that this isn't going to work out, but the second half where it's like, and what can we do to fix that? I think that in a lot of those cities and towns municipalities even states i mean west virginia right like that coal country and yet their goal is to basically like figure out how to bring coal back you know like they want to send the children back into the mines that's not all west virginia (laughs) no it's not it's not just west virginia and it's not all west virginia you're right kentucky also it's but it's It's like like if your town was famous or your town had made a bunch of money by raising horses and Henry Ford comes around and you're like, curse you, Henry Ford. We need to go back to the old reliable horses. Like <laughs> maybe that's not a great analogy. But it's it, not, but it's funny. Like, I'll give you that. But, but yeah, like <laughs> I just it think, totally is not, but it's super funny. But it kind of uh, is, like, at the same time. But if they would have won, we wouldn't have, like, I don't think we'd be in the uh, climate crisis we're in. Well, that's because... fair. Although, I mean, horses produce a lot of methane, right? Maybe not as much as cows, but... And probably not nearly as much as, like, automotives. Yeah. I don't know. I I think at the end of the day, I'd rather step in a poil- puddle of oil than uh, a pile of shit. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Um, so the, the last, I mean, the, the, the last stronghold you have when your society is changing becomes schools. Right. I I used to say very fervently that 
my mom is like she went to like she lived in a time where when schools were segregated. She had kids, and I'm pretty sure that the people that were pro segregation were just as racist as they, as they are now, mm-hmm. and they have kids. Eventually, they would die. My mom is still alive. I'm not. I'm not wishing death on people. I'm saying like that way of thinking is longstanding, right? And the way that you kind of you steer things towards that direction of keeping whatever you feel is safe and um, quote unquote American value is to teach people a different version of history is to uh, like have confusing and clouded laws like the, 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 the nickname of the don't say gay bill. I think most reasonable people would say, yeah, there's some, there's some merit to that. Both sides screw that up, right? Yeah. Both both sides completely like made, one side made it a uh, oh you're anti LGBTQ and you, you, know, you can't. What if there is a same sex same sex parent household? Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's like against that, but I do think that there's some the issue that people were trying to address or that was brought up. It got bastardized and it turned into something that wasn't supposed to be. That's sad. Um, do I have a solve for that? I sure as hell don't. The entry point is the school. DeSantis did not attack or address or try to um, create some boundary zone and something that most reasonable adults deal with. He went directly to the schools. Why is that? Right. Uh, I don't have the answer to it, but I can I can guess. Yeah. Uh, when you look at a lot of the, uh, you know, the CRT conversations, nothing to do with nothing. The entry point was what? The schools. Yeah. It, I mean, now, it was a lot like what we saw in the past couple of national elections, right? Like, it's a whole lot of talking points with the goal of getting people spun up around them right um crt is going to teach your children to hate themselves it's going to teach them that they're racist just because they're they're white right or that (laughs) which is a phrase probably can't be far I mean, <laughs> I would argue that just because you're white doesn't mean you're racist. I know. I, I'm being an asshole. I know. I, I, you're I, just being funny. And I would just, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, we'll stop, it's if this, white people stop doing racist shit, then yeah, well, then we wouldn't racist. have this problem anymore, right? Um, stop calling us racist and we'll stop being racist. No, that's not the solution. Yeah, that's not how that works out. No. Um, I just. I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things where I I do. I understand people's fear, right? You know, like fear is such a motivating factor for and a lot of people. And it's cheap to sell. It's oh, so yeah. cheap. And easy. You know? Yeah. I mean, like it's you just you don't even have to sell the whole thing. You just have to plant the seed. Right. You just have to create the the that just speck of doubt in somebody's mind and or confirm what's changing. Yeah. Or yeah. Or confirm an already suspected belief. That's the other element. 
Um, but I wonder, like, how much of this could have been avoided if instead of when a kid comes home with a tough question or talks about something that their teacher was teaching them in class... The parent didn't run to Facebook or whatever internet platform of the day suits them to rant about it, and instead went in and sat down and had a like a heart to heart conversation with the teacher about it. Right? Well, uh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why that's probably not a thing. So when we we had lunch the other mm-hmm. day, and on here, sorry, I didn't get to order anything. I, I really am. My quiche regret- was delicious. I've regretted it every day since, sure. but uh, we were talking about just some issue, and I actually said, and as a parent, I have to ask, is is my child gay? So adjacent to us, probably 30 degrees to my right, was a gay guy, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, because I'm a paranoid New Yorker, I just kind of scanned the room. He looked at me when I said that. Now, in his mind, he probably could have had, you know, a lot of things he wanted to say. And it just made the assumption that I was uh, some, you know, homophobic type person. But I'm saying as a parent, like, there are things that you, you have to be able to ask your kids. Does it make me homophobic? It just makes me like, I, I want to know. I don't want you to feel like you have to, quote unquote, come out. I think that's right. weird. That, that, um, that's something for you to be ashamed of or that, you know, is going to change the way that you feel about right. your children. Right. So that's why. Because you have people on both sides where they're so victimized. Uh, even, and I'm not trying, so please don't try to come after my black card for this, but it's very easy to become a victim in our society. Because unfortunately, we listen to the, the minor of both groups, like, because they're the loudest. And for me, I'm okay with being uncomfortable but addressing the issue. Right. Right. But I did notice that gentleman, like there's a, I went to a restaurant, uh, a, a quick service restaurant yesterday. And the person that took my order, uh, I'm going to assume is gay. Seriously. Fingernails done. Very, looks very, you know, feminine wearing makeup. Um, uh, and when he, what, why are you shaking your head? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to keep on like, and I was like, Hey, well, thank you. And I said, thank you, sir. I was being polite to him because uh, like if he would have said, well, I identify like, oh, yeah, well, I appreciate it anyway, but thank you. He did a great job. I'm okay with like, I'm not going to play the pronoun game with people, but I want to be like, at least I don't want to stop being courteous where I can. But I'm also open to the fact of like, if that's not how you associate with life, then let me know. And I'm like, okay, I can accommodate for that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that our, and I, but I've thought about those things. Like those are two instances where I can see where society is rewriting the roadmap of how we interact with each other. And it's only rewriting that because there's so, so much animosity. It's well, because all I manufactured. think at, at the end of the day, people are afraid to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm totally not, not you, but I'm saying that people in general. I mean, the number of times that I have been on Google News and seen some story from some 
bullshit website that just reposts other people's TikToks, like when they blow up, right? right? Oh, Daily Dot? Yeah, I think it is Daily Dot or something like that. Um, Where they're talking about, oh, you know, a Starbucks worker goes viral when she, you know, puts a customer on blast or, you know, server... Freaks out because customer gets upset when they're out of something, you know? And I'm like, why does that even register for anybody? I mean, like, I get if you're a star, I mean, I'm a former Starbucks barista, right? Like, yeah, I get it that it was really (laughs) annoying when people would come in and order certain things, but I never... Like, there was somebody we worked with at the time, I say we because my wife and I both worked there together, um, who had a uh, an anonymous blog where they would go on and, like, just rant about the people that came into the store that day and, you know, all the little nuances of things that these people did that drove them nuts. And, yes, like, as a service employee – there are things that your customers do that drive you absolutely insane and you want to reach across the counter and shake them and say like, don't you understand how frustrating this is for me? But you can't because then you lose your job and <laughs> you probably get arrested. But it's in large part because people have A, been accustomed to thinking that the customer is always right, which is not true. It's and not true. B, because we aren't comfortable having those conversations and be like hey you know this drink that you order every single time you come in here it takes me 15 minutes to make it and ultimately these four things that you're doing make it 10 times harder for me to do my job the rest of the time right so what i hear you saying is that (laughs) starbucks is analog to our school system in a sense yeah i mean not not directly but i just it, i don't it, know you are it's fair it's fair to say the expectation is that you know like and and maybe i'm dumbing it down we expect a certain level of quality we expect somebody to cater to our needs. Yep. And we're frustrated with the unmet expectations. Yeah. But we're not willing to ask why that expectation is unmet. Yeah. So yeah. I'm yes, right. you are you are right. And and I guess by association, so am I. So yay me. Um <laughs> no but i think i mean again like i think it comes back to like why are people running for school board right because they want to control Control. what it is that teachers can do in the classroom not because but you know what's missed upon them is as a parent that has seen four kids graduate high school and college and then or five graduate high school four graduate college is that your job as a parent is not to dictate the path. Your job is to give guidance. Right. And guardrails, if you will. Uh, sure. You, you, can, you could say that, but I, I think that, you know, and I see this from as a, as a parent of five children. 
I can only give you the opportunity to have the opportunity. I can only make sure that you can have the resources available to me, available to you within reason. It's not my job or my function to help you to disseminate the information. Yeah. It's not because, you know, the biggest thing I could say is like uh, when it comes to, I won't say religion, but I'll say faith. My kids, as they went through college, started to question things Mm -hmm. that I was not, I I didn't co-sign. And I'm okay with that. But my job is to say, well, this is what I believe. You guys, uh, you guys see how I live out what I believe. Not to convince them or or, or trick them into or, or just get them to co-sign that. Right. And I and I think that the school board it plays it's played a hefty role in control, like you said, to feel like oh we are not going to change this. We're gonna st- we're gonna save this course. Well, the, the the crappy thing in, in any student of history will tell you. Social norms and social edict will dictate policy. Right. Man, ten times like out of ten. Well, because I believe it. Right. I was just gonna say, all the political discussions we have on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Pretty much every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Social. It's absolutely true. That's the beauty of it. Is that. You're not gonna be. You're not going to force society back into the box that you want it to be in through control of the government. That's not how this works. What it's that ultimately results in is rebellion, um, revolution, uh, eviscerate the proletariat. Those those are, those are strong words. No, I they are. Say, I, I know you say it with jest. Yeah, but I, but I was, I I would say that. Um, I mean, how hard during the 50s and 60s, right? And even before then, did people of po- in positions of influence ultimately try to prevent integration, right? It doesn't and- matter because we, we have a weak spot in this country. And the weak spot in this country is money. My grandparents were, they did well for themselves. They had money. They can, they can change. Uh, so... Why do you think Alabama's football team isn't all the white guys? Yeah. Because they realize they can make a hell of a lot more money winning games with, you know, other players. <laughs> other players. Dude, they're black. I mean, like, yeah, with black guys. Uh, Al- Alabama, Georgia, they are like, I mean, come on. The Seriously, SEC though. Is- I mean, like, that's a whole, that's a whole freaking thing, right? I mean, look, the ACC basketball, right? It wasn't like every team. In the entire conference, and, signed and up I don't at once. care if you go to Duke. <laughs> like the people that are getting on the board are are not white, and it's but it's not. But to be fair, because I, I I'm also another thing I'm very conscious of now is the um, us versus them mm-hmm. when it comes to non-white communities, and that is getting dangerous. That is getting so. I live in Wake County, and where I live in Wake County, I've seen more and more Eastern Europeans. Right, uh, Wake County is probably going to be like 
what I see Chicago as in every visit to Chicago I've ever been to. Uh, Love Chicago, I've, by the way. It's great. I thoroughly enjoy it. Mm, Lots of good vegans. Sure. Uh, so, so, but the, what's interesting is my immigrant wife pretty much says this Whoa. a lot. She's an immigrant. She's it's a from hard Peru. T you're putting on that word. <laughs> she, my my immigrant wife is like very aware of the fact. And now, to be fair, our views on immigration are completely different. But she makes a. She's a fan she of closing a, the borders. Now that she's here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just. Actually, you don't wrong. have to share your wife's views on immigration. You're welcome to. I was just making a joke. Uh, so I'll tell you, but the joke is actually very close to like to true. My yeah. wife came here legally, and she has a different point of of like. Yes. And we have we have family members that have come here both legally and illegally. Oh, see, and this is another another opportunity where King of the Hill comes to comes to my help. <laughs> but her views are very. Um, they're poignant that like it's like that's a good argument i would have never thought about that right mm -hmm. my views as a northeaster is like yeah but people talk about like latinos and latinas in, in the south but go above the mason dixon and it's a bunch of eastern europeans right <laughs> north carolina is probably rewriting and redrawing the mason dixon line because in wake county there is an epic amount of eastern europeans here Epic. And, Epic. Uh, like, more so than ever. Yeah. I wonder if the views on immigration will change in this state because of that fact. Well, and look at the Southwestern Asian influence. Yes. But in our in Wake County, RTP, like, yeah, eh, okay, they're going to let that pass. But when you have, like, the general population... Right, we were in a um, what was it? one of those? Uh, I think it was TJ Maxx a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Walking through, and like I heard ten people speaking Russian, like ten like set or groups of people speaking Russian. Was that triggering? No, it just kind of made me feel like I was in Chicago. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't, or the, it, either Russian or yeah, like some other some Eastern, Eastern European. It dialect. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't German. It wasn't. Uh, Could have been Romanian uh, or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Understood. yeah, and not a linguist, but from my my ear tells me that's Russian or that's Eastern European. That's not a, a language I know. Um, so I wonder what happens in five years, basically. Right. Well, Goes and back that's. To my, that's where I think right. you look at the Southwest Asian influence in Wake County, right? I mean, over the last 15, 20 years in particular, probably even before then, I mean, IBM, right, was right. bringing a whole lot of people in um, at that point. But it's, I mean, there are, I worked Morrisville, at, for example. Yeah. Morrisville I mean, is yeah. predominantly, like, Asian. Yep. And that that's everybody from that region, and it's predominantly Asian. Yeah. Um the surrounding cities and towns, or depending on what they want to be called, um, it's be, it's becoming 
well, I can tell from my town or city or whatever. We, I don't know what we call it because I don't. I don't know if there's a tax benefit to saying you're not a city, but your town. I thought it was literally just uh, like a a population thing, but I don't know if that's necessarily true because mu- Cary's technically, be, well, no, technically a city, but they but they, they call themselves the town of Cary, the town yeah. of Cary, yeah. right? Um, so, but I do know that Apex is becoming produ- like. It's got an influx of these Eastern Europeans. Yeah. So it makes me question. I, I don't know. It's a different topic. But my, my point being is that there are things that change. And how we accept those changes should not be. Like, the, the determining factor should not be ethnicity. Right. Yeah. Um, it should be for you know some some level of equitable like exchange, uh, and most people could probably you know sign on to that. Well, and I think there's this perception that you know individuals feel like, well, I'm losing my voice in my community, right? That like by this influx of people from an area that is not the same as me, or that you know, didn't grow up here that somehow like that's diminishing my influence on my own community. And I think there's a couple of things. One, like, yes, communities are going to grow and change over time as are their makeups. And so that's bound to happen no matter what. And two, you're not necessarily like losing your own individual voice. It's just that the people, the number of people that think like you and vote like you and look like you might proportionally be smaller than it used to. So, but I would you agree also with have to look at those categorizations, like, except for think, right? So, my again, no, I think remember, I did say think, but you did. So, I, I would agree with all of them except for think like you. They're, oh, okay, cons- cool. They're quote unquote. Like my wife's views on immigration, like we don't converge all the time. Yeah. Um, when you think about like the quote what traditionally are called conservative values, they span across, you know, demos and and yes. ethnicity. Yes. So and where you they, like they, yes, I mean, oh my god, like you look at some some families from asia right i mean like extremely conservative in right the way that they try to like kind of manage their household and stuff like that like yeah maybe they should be called uh historically traditional right because i don't think conservative is a a valid term anymore yeah i mean i i would agree that the this this idea between conservatives and liberals um I mean, it's it's. I think we've always kind of struggled with it somewhat on this podcast. We're calling uh, like democratic voters, right? Like we're all technically participating in a democratic process. So aren't we all democratic right. voters? But the fact that you have the Democrats and the Republicans makes it feel like. I mean, ultimately, if you took things at face value, you're voting for two different styles of of government, neither right. of which either party actually subscribes to, like, ultimately. That's <laughs> <laughs> not it's not a true competition for those things. But, um, yeah, I just, 
I don't know, man. Like, I, I think, you know, like we were talking about earlier in terms of the school boards and like that being kind of a feeder program for other positions in state governments and then eventually moving up to the federal level if you wanted to. And we've seen that time and time again. Um, you know, that there are lots of other jobs or positions within the government that you can find that don't lead to those sorts of things. But I think it's it's a combination of people who have, you know, a bee in their bonnet about a certain thing. I've never used that phrase before in I my was gonna, life. Like, I was about to lose my shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would you have a bee in your bonnet? Someone who has what a stick up their ass about okay. a certain <laughs> topic. <laughs> Or someone who who does have those aspirations and is trying to figure out like well how okay these people started here that's where I'm going to start. Um, I think you know I I would say it's akin to when you look at the presidency, governorship, right? Like if you really want to be president, you typically want to try and be governor of a state somewhere because those are the uh, oftentimes the people that are picked. It's not exclusively, but a lot of the times that's. I mean, am I we've wrong? We've had three. We've had, well, I, I would, eh, I think I fundamentally disagree on that. Uh, I think with the exception of Trump, possibly Jimmy Carter, okay, and Nixon, that they, well, Carter is a tough one. Best president of our lifetimes. I think that what we're missing there, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ignore that statement. Yeah, that was a joke. Um, I think the 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 where they they probably all should converge is on leadership, right? Okay. It's very rare that a leader has the deficiencies of a company guy. Basically, say that one more time. It's very rare that a leader has the deficiencies of a company deficiencies guy. Deficiencies okay. of a company guy, and a company guy is a guy that's like schlobbing and knobbing just to like get promoted, right? right? And I, I would look at any career politician as a company guy. Okay, uh, but somebody that's got leadership could probably come off the street and and do a good job. Now, I'm going to say something very hypocritical because yes. I did not vote for President Barack Obama. Um, he's got strong leadership qualities, like, like unbeknownst to me twice, <laughs> this kind of wasn't rocking with the guy. Um, yeah. And I mean, like we, I think we've discussed, you know, how we feel about the, uh, the ultimate efficacy of his presidency. Like, but I agree that like, I think part of what made him so, uh, what made people so enamored with him was that perceived leadership. Like, this is somebody Not I... Not perceived. He's got complete, like, if... Well, so, right, sorry. When I say perceived, is I mean as, a, as an end voter, right? Not having okay. had direct experience with him and, you know, witnessing that leadership, but but that, that man just exudes that leadership confidence. confidence. Yeah. yeah. And so that's and, something that I think people were very eager to get on board with 
Um, and I I miss it twice. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, we can't we can't all bat a thousand, right? Like, <laughs> no, and again, like I mean, despite all of his amazing leadership talent, right, or ability, we both still sit here and say, "Wow, eight years!" And what did we get? You know, yeah, like we got the ACA in its bastardized version. Yeah, I felt I've. I feel like things weren't so chaotic. I mean, it, it, those are right. Yeah, I, we had some level of like, oh, I could go around the world and travel and not feel like I need to wear a Canadian flag shirt all the time. Eh? We're feeling embarrassed, right? Yeah. yeah. So, which literally the two presidents that sandwiched him left us feeling that way. Just to be clear, uh, George W. I'll, Bush. I'll this it. was when they started the last, selling the, the U.S. The last traveling. 18, 18, <laughs> The last 18 months, man, I was like, with, with GW, I was like, hey. He, and I he, voted for him. Me too. I thought he was like, he was just tired. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like, I I don't know. I still wonder sure. whether or not that was a job he ever actually wanted. Sure. Give, give or take. But on the flip side, his post-presidency has shown a lot of leadership. Yes. The, the, the challenge, I would say, when it comes... And a president would be a good example. How do you... How do you kind of evolve into a space and place in your life to where you can be objective? Another good example, speaking of evolution, would be Serena Williams, right? I'm not a tennis fan, but a couple of weeks ago, like I sent a text like, yeah, I, I'm not a tennis fan. Never watched that joint. But I kind of feel like I should have watched her play. Because I want to kind of understand the story. Um, Tiger Woods, never been a fan I don't of golf. Um, I, I kind of felt like he was another sellout, if I'm being honest. Um, but his story now is intriguing. And, and maybe that's age and wisdom. So there, there is a the, – the human part of me has compassion. And it gives people the leeway to grow. The question I would have for myself, this is an Andreism. Okay, you're willing to bend on some of these things. Do you really believe those? And what would it take for you to say, you know, for example, extreme. Mm -hmm. Trump has garnered some type of respect. What would it take for you to? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's like me testing against my own measure. Yeah. Right, because I can't be so. Being uh, shit. It was what twenty twenty when you and I sat here on this podcast and we're like, honestly, I thought the whole world would have ended by now because yeah. of this guy. So at the very least, he hasn't achieved that. Little did we know. It <laughs> was coming down the pipeline. Yeah, um, he had way too much runway. Yeah. So, and so I, I think that. But trying to be objective, right? Like trying to right. put our own biases aside and say, like, okay, yes. Like, did I vote for this guy? No. Did I feel like he was the com second coming of the Antichrist? Yes. Like, yes. But every day. To this day, I still do. But I'm at that fan. moment, could I sit there and say, like, okay, he hasn't let it, like, or not even, he hasn't let it, it hasn't all gone to shit yet, 
right? Maybe that's like the very lowest bar that you could have set at that point in time. But it was still something that we were willing to consider and admit on a recorded yeah. platform that we then published to the entire world. Like, you can go yeah. back and listen to that stuff. You can't watch it because we weren't on YouTube yet. But you can go back and listen to it. <laughs> that we literally said, and we're like, yeah, I, I thought we'd be a lot worse off than we are right now. It's, but right now, today, today? Well, yeah, right, right now, today, Fuck today. Yeah, like, I think we're all... Well, we're all you and I'm, I are I'm over certainly well the, past the, that. The hypocrisy of and to kind of like tie it in and or touch like school boards. The long game is dangerous, right? Uh Democrats slept on uh abortion. Yeah. And the the old adage of those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. You could probably expound upon that and say, uh, those that don't pay attention to the signs are probably going to run into a brick wall. Like you, you just got to understand that the, the people that say they're going to do these things are probably going to do them. And it takes, if our democracy is to survive, people have to go out and do, you know, do the work. So, Stop being the, that person say, well, I'm going to do the work and change. No, fucking do the work. Do your homework. Like, research that to the extent that you know what's going on with the Kardashians. And whoa, I, whoa. Why? No, because... <laughs> Why do I need to know what's going on with them? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, the, 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 the flyby person, right? I can tell me the, the latest, like, Kanye BS and... and by the way, fuck Kanye. Um, uh, the, He's been the popping person... up all over social media lately with this stupid God. meme of him wearing like the the this huge like winter coat in the middle of summer. Fucking, I, I just I'm so fucking. He's so boring. Like, be a dad. No. Somebody I mean... asked me. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, "What's your what's your beef with Kanye?" I don't give a shit about his music. I'm not hating on the fact that he's financially successful. I All those things are irrelevant to me. The thing that I can't respect and I will not respect about Kanye West is as a dad that has gone through a divorce, you're playing yourself, yo. Like, yeah. straight up. Nobody, I don't want to fucking hear shit about you. I don't give a shit if Adidas, like, jocks your style or whatever. They pretend like you don't exist. I think you're a piece of shit. Like, so, I mean, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about Kanye. Um, oh, shit, while I'm at it. Dude. Donald Trump, that motherfucker needs to go to prison. Well, if you're sitting around, yeah. if you're sitting around, or at least getting fucking indicted, if you're sitting around coddling this clown, if you're sitting around, like, uh, you know, pretending like DeSantis is the third coming of Christ, on some bullshit, you need to sit back and ask yourself, what are we trying to accomplish here, right? If your objective is to oppress people and to keep some level of standing, that's what Jesus. You're really like, you, you will definitely, <laughs> and I hope you do, you will fail miserably. In this capitalist country, and I'm going to end my my thoughts with this. One thing I've learned is that. Not having integrity will cost you in the end, right? Um, 
when I worked for McDonald's, there there's a when you check your like when you go from breakfast to lunch, you mm-hmm. do something or you do food safety. And it used to be called in the food safety uh, like workbook or manual uh, beef integrity. And there was one day I said, oh, that dawns on me now because Jack in the Box just got sued. They like they were, you know, they're, well, they're still in business. I'm not sure how, but because of, uh, you know, not doing food safety. Right. But the word, the, the, the part of the workbook said beef integrity. And integrity to me is you are what you say you are. Right. And, and that in this lesson case, to me, you also are what you eat. Sure. Yeah. I mean, or you want to kill people or, or have them like shit the bed like six days a week. So for me, I, I look at things as are you, in my public life and my private life, I'm the same person. So if we weren't recording, test. put it, yeah, we weren't recording, we weren't putting this on YouTube, I would say what I think. I would, you know, with this is literally the from, same conversation we would have. Like I, yeah. with a few less fourth wall breaks, um, <laughs> but yeah, like ultimately, I mean, both of us, right? This is something that I I struggled with for a long time, living what I felt like were two separate lives. I had my work life and the persona that I kind of portrayed while I was there, and then I had my home life. And right. you were the person who ultimately pointed out, like, isn't that exhausting? Like, don't you find it just so tiring to constantly be measuring whether or not you're doing things right because you can't, you know, you're you're balancing it against two different scales, essentially. Maybe more. Um, And it was like, oh, wow, yeah, that is really true. And I don't care for that. (laughs) Like, and... I mean, when you, I think it's, it's different when you're an individual contributor, you know, in an organization, I think it's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit easier. Maybe it's not, I think over over the long haul, it's still going to be exhausting, but I think especially when you become a leader and you're managing, you know, or, or having to lead a team of other people, that's where it really starts to kick in because ultimately you're having to make these judgment calls on a regular basis, not just on your own behavior, but on the behavior of the people that work for you. And then you're measuring both of those things up against both scales. And when you have two scales that ultimately don't balance out, (laughs) Hey, Moon Knight, how you doing? Um, (laughs) It gets really messy, you know, like it gets, it gets really, cause you might sit there and say, well, at home, I'd be perfectly okay with this person's, you know, behavior, but this is the workplace and I have to put on my big boy pants and weigh things yeah. out that way. And it's like, why? Why have two different sets of metrics for that? Just That's, that's completely irrational. Yeah. Right? Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but that's what no, we that's do fine. on the big rant. That, that's completely irrational. And I, and I think that, you know, it's... The issues we have as a country are fixable. The problem or the root cause, I would say, is that people are just, they're understandably tired, exhausted, afraid, uh, concerned, uncomfortable, and that's fine. But just figure out a way to kind of address what you're like, you know, uncomfortable with, afraid of, or just like work it out. Yeah. It's not that hard. 
and maybe you come up with an answer that you don't want to like really rock with, but that's fine also. Like there are times where I'm like, yeah, I don't like the, you know, I called Chris today because we had a, a thing and I try to not make myself uncomfortable with asking questions because I feel, I feel vulnerable when I have to ask a question, but I need something to happen. It's like, hey, blah, 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 and blah. But I'm okay with that. I just address the fact that, hey, you're going to feel good. There are times I'm socially, like, and I'm noticing over the last couple of years, and it could be because I keep like like spending time writing code or whatever. I think that's part <laughs> of it. I'm losing social cues. Like, the sure. nuance is missed on me. Like, I, I don't care. I, I need to accomplish whatever, but I, I can, I can, I can acknowledge it and remember that when I'm interacting with people, yeah, it, it's not good. Like I know like, all right, long-term you need to figure this out, but I've noticed over the last two years that I'm struggling with being an introvert. Uh, I'm struggling with social cues. Does it make me panic? It's like, Oh, that's, that you feel like super uncomfortable now. Like, how do you deal with that? How do you work around it? Um, so, but we have the ability and the and the the power to change those things. So that's what concerns me. It's like, yeah, sure, these things are, they seem like they're like super big, but they're really not. They're like uh, they're they're day one type of things. Like, you know, you feel that way. Just just deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, so that's, that's all I got. Before we completely wrap stuff up, um, something that we've talked about in the past that I think this in this conversation in particular is maybe a good way to like start trying to solve some of the not the, the problem, but like what what is what do you feel like is the response, the right response from people who don't want to see their local school boards or their local town councils, you know, overrun with people that they feel like don't match the community's overall goals or that are pushing agendas outside of their own. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say at surface value, right? Like get involved yourself. Um, whether that's at the base level of volunteering at your children's school or your, the school that your kids don't go to, um, or running for some sort of office, but do you have any other any other thoughts in terms of like kind of what what do we do to? I mean, like, look, I I I, I, I would <laughs> say I would say this. I would step back one level, right? Yeah. So if we're if we're going to say we're on a team, and that team is the uh, the United States, mm-hmm. USA, USA, USA. Yeah. Are you contributing to that team? Schools contribute to the team, right? So most of us will die. Like All of it's us 100%, will die. Yeah, well, most of us will die at some point in our lives. We're at a level where we can actually contribute to society. Ah, okay. Some of us, some some of us will not. Yeah. Are you doing your part to contribute to like helping us to maintain this experiment, right? Uh, and I, so the, the reason I phrased my answer that way is because uh, I was uh, reading an, something on Twitter. There's a comedian that died like last night in his sleep, caught his uh, Netflix special, 
And it was actually pretty funny. And he said some pretty insightful things. He was 54. I'm 46. I'm like, so I, my God, that's depressing. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's just like, it's pretty, yeah, it's, so I'm going to take a, a week off of Twitter. Uh, but as a parent, my job is to make sure that my kids have the opportunity to have an opportunity and the things that they're, this, I'm going to say they're moms because I've been married before. So my job and their mom's job is to make sure they're, they're able to contribute to society. That's number one. So if what you're doing, thinking, believing, acting on doesn't help the future, then you should question that. Um, number two is to be engaged in a healthy level, right? So your, your perspective, number one, has got to be what is a long-term objective that we're trying to accomplish, period, stop, right? The second part is how can you help? So if we could figure that part out, I think we'd be in better shape. Um, yeah. My my children are they're amazing. They're smart. They're all adults, and I I believe that their moms and I have done a good job of trying to make sure they're they're they contribute to the 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 good things we can do in the country. The second part is what can I do to like influence in my sphere like more things that are positive. Uh, this is one example because this has been bothering me. Most people don't know what they're angry about. They don't they don't know what they're upset about. They don't know what they're afraid about and talk about it. Right? There is a game being played with most people and they can't see past the starting line. Move to a like this this is a tough one. This is the like part two or number two A. Move to places, live in places where like education is going to, if you have children, you can influence and give them a better start. So that sounds hard and tough and whatever, but I'll I'll be I'll be serious. Like I mean a lot of people like my grandmother on my mom's side, she moved from Georgia outside of Atlanta to New York. You know during uh, Jim Crow, a lot of blacks moved from the south to the north for a reason. They suffered. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was more expensive. Yeah. Take make some sacrifices to 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 see this beyond the starting line, but to like see beyond the finish line. That's hard. So yeah, hmm. those are two things I would do. I like and it. if you're white, I, I don't have any beef with white people. Like, I, I want to be very clear when I say that. Uh, my wife tells me sometimes that I sound like I'm, like, being really rough on white people. I don't have beef with white people. I'm saying, like, look, the the word ally is, it's short-sighted. Yeah. Do the fucking right thing. Stand up for what's right and not what's expedient for you. I know that you don't hate white people. Hell, some of your best friends are white people. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But I'm, I'm trying to speak truth. It's just like, hey, expedient is not justice. Well, and that's right. The truth is not always comfortable. Right. It's it's not your job to make 
the white people around you feel like they've done enough. Right. And don't feel guilty. Shit. Right. You don't have to feel guilty for slavery, but just fucking acknowledge it. Yeah. That's, I think, the whole point. That's a low fucking bar. It's a really right? low bar. Um, and it's something where I think in, in a lot of ways. Fuck, you can't even own a slave because it's legal. Just acknowledge it happened in our history. Yeah. What I was going to say is that I think, like, in a lot of ways, white people, some white people, not all white people, um, hashtag not all white people, uh, they are more comfortable being guilty than they are doing the right thing. You know what I mean? That's fair. Like, they'd rather just feel guilty about it than change anything about the way that they behave and interact with other people. And ultimately, it's like, well, if I feel guilty about it, then that means that I'm in my soul, like, I'm uncomfortable with this. And that level of discomfort that I have to live with on a day-to-day basis (laughs) is my penance. I don't know. Now, get some Jon Stewart courage, right? Like, I think I've watched the Jon Stewart, like, um, berating of Congress, like, 15 times. Yeah. Not that he had a lot to lose. So John Stewart, like, all right. Uh, John Oliver, yeah. you can learn a lot from John Stewart. Right? Well, I think he did. I mean, he was on the show for several years. But. That's fair. <laughs> um, but he probably skipped a couple he's, classes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got to go back. and. <laughs> yeah. You got to repeat a uh, second period. Uh, nothing to lose. But he put it all on the line to say, this is wrong. It's not about partisanship, period. It's about the difference between right and wrong. So if you're a human being and you know the difference between right and wrong, hopefully your parents taught you. Figure that out. You can't stay too far off the lines. If you're a Western Christian and you've actually read and studied your Bible, you know the difference between right and wrong. If you're a person of faith and you know the difference between right and wrong and you choose wrong, you you got to figure that out. So I'm not saying from anything more than this simply. And that should be, first of all, Chris, that should be a clip. It's we got to we got to get to the the beat of the problem. The difference, like what I think will fix a lot of the things that we deal, we deal with in life is not about your personal preference or your personal opinion, but do you know the difference between right and wrong? Like that is a fundamental core question. And if you don't, like figure that out for you. And if you do, err on the side of doing the right thing. Like that's that's where that's where true life is. That's where true happiness and joy is. Don't don't go for expedience for like oh, it'll make me feel better. No, what's the difference between right and wrong? So yeah. When you said um, Western Christian, all I could think of was like those uh, old timey pastors from like the wild wild west. Like, well, that's what you see when you see Joel Osteen. Well, got him. Got and him. Fuck Frank and fuck Franklin Graham. Got him. Got him. Uh, so I mean, uh, Creflo Dollar. 
fuck him too. Got him. TD Jakes, fuck him too. Got him. So I'm saying like. I like this new segment of the the Chris and Andre show where we just say fuck you to whoever it is that we don't like this week. <laughs> it's the opposite of I rock with this. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the only person, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about somebody because I don't want Cube coming at me, but there's Whoa. some questionable things. Yeah, I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to start beef with Ice Cube. Yeah, uh, fuck that shit. I'm not built like that. Next thing you know, you're going to be uh, calling out, uh, was it Davis and Marrow? Yeah. Those guys no, fucking yeah. roll hard. <laughs> I'm just, it's not about fear. It's about like, I don't know if we'll have the right dialogue. I may say something where it's like quick and I meant it. But I mean, I get the opportunity to like explain why. So I just don't uh, want to be want like that. Jonah Hill and catch 22 or 22 Jump Street. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I don't want that smoke, yo. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you want to hit me up, Ice Cube, I can tell you what I think, and maybe we can have a dialogue about it. I love that. And I say that with all sincerity. Um, we're probably not on your radar, but I say that because I believe there are conversations that should be had. And um, I will definitely tag you in all of our Instagram posts from now on. <laughs> so I'm going to end it with this. I saw this video today on Reddit. Uh, this. This dude, uh, it had to be Atlanta or, or, or Georgia. He was in a corner store. That's racist. And like, and uh, well, no, it was like one of those, like, it wasn't a trap spot, but these kids tried to jump on him. One dude beat up like 10 people, yo. It was the most hilarious thing I saw on Public Freakout today. Um, That's not and, a subreddit that I'm following, but I will be right after this. Yes, because it was hilarious. It was like the most baller thing. I'm like, yo, those those kids were they they stepped on a lion's tail, yo. Uh, but anyway, I'm glad you guys joined us um, again. These are just thoughts I I've been having, and I think that they're important for people to kind of like, you know, poke around them, like just check and see what's happening. Um, I do want to say shout out to Leon Lush. Yo, you like you and your 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 channel, the main channel, the and the Lush family channel, like nine o'clock at night before I go to bed, put that join the Roku. You and your wife are bananas. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing that. Um, people have better conversations and 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 be okay with being uncomfortable. So yeah, you can catch us on. I'm gonna take a break from the Twitters. Because I'm tired of hearing about Donald Trump. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump. You can eat all the bags of dick uh, because you're a piece of too. shit. And fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can send us an email if you have comments or questions at comments at chrisandandreshow.com. You can send me some emails, nice emails at andrechrisandandreshow.com. Thank you to all the people on Twitter that have liked things I've put, you know, this show is put on Twitter. Uh, it's easy to troll idiots, but um, fuck MAGA too. Um, <laughs> Chris? Uh, you can reach me at Chris at ChrisAndAndreShow.com. Um, you can send me anything and everything. I'll check it out. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten an email that wasn't Andre testing whether or not the forward that he sent up the redirects <laughs> were working. 
Um, so I don't know if that means that you guys don't like me or what, but you know what? Like I'm fine living in this uncomfortable conversation that we're having right now, face to face, you and me. No, um, for real though, you can, you can find me there. Uh, I do generally manage our Facebook and Instagram accounts. I have not been on Twitter except for like right now, because I just remember that Andre has been on there, like throwing shade left and right. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to go take a look, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So if you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, at Chris and Andre, Instagram, The Chris and Andre Show, Facebook, The Chris and Andre Show, search Chris and Andre Show. You'll find us. We're everywhere yeah. you want to be. You can listen to our uh, our audio. We are hosting on Fireside.fm. We record on Riverside.fm. <laughs> Look at and that. We are publishing you right. on YouTube.com. You can see my ugly mug, Chris's dope T-shirts, and all the cool comics he has in the background. And we're getting ready for football season. Yeah. Because you know who's about to – well, I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I, I can wait. Uh, Denver Broncos. Anyway, uh, my and my Yankees are like – I don't want to do that. Yeah, don't do anyway, that. we're super glad you joined us. As always, I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. In case you ignored my previous instructions, make sure to subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. Oh, and don't forget to tickle that little like button. And if you have something to say, you can drop it in the comment down below. We'll see you on the next one.